Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome aboard Fizz Radio on the score 1260 here with you till 10 o'clock this morning. I'm Tyler Rocky. We've got a full slate for you on the show today. Going to be talking a lot of rankings today. Syracuse getting named the sixth best school to produce pro talent. And Tyus Battle coming inside Andy Katz's top 20 of returning players in college basketball. That's Andy Katz of NCAA.com. I'll talk about that with Tim Leonard later on in the show, and then I'll wrap them, some things up with some basketball talk. Isaiah Stewart, Jerry McNamara going overseas, and then SU and the NBA Summer League. I'll tell you who's playing where and who's got to prove themselves coming up in just a little bit, and then wrap everything up with you, as always, with Fizz Feedback. And first, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Orange Fizz, also Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, Podcast Center, Orange Fizz, drop us a five-star rating and subscribe. You'll get all these Fizz Radio episodes as well as Fizzcast throughout the summer and the season. Tim Leonard and I got something cooking up. We're going to try to get to that next week and get you a Fizzcast out. Also, hopefully, talk to some football recruits as well in the coming weeks. So first off, I want to start with this ESPN ranking that came out. Syracuse was named the sixth best school in the country in turning players pro. And when I saw that, that was way too high from where I would have put Syracuse. I don't even know if Syracuse would have cracked my top 25. And and there's a number of reasons for that. But let me just kind of go through some of the criteria that ESPN threw out here for making this ultimate draft ranking methodology is what they call it. So the draft choices for the eight leagues that were a part of the survey were they're weighted differently. So when you look at the NBA draft, there's only 60 spots as opposed to the MLB draft, which has like 40, 50 rounds in it. And a lot of that is also not taken into consideration. They only take the top 10 rounds of the MLB draft. So again, some of those players that are picked in the top 10 rounds aren't even going to be on college rosters because they're coming straight out of high school. But only the top 10 rounds... And then along with that, professional leagues with less than 10 years worth of draft data. So professional women's lacrosse, hockey, and soccer were not considered, nor were professional leagues that do not plausibly represent the top professional tier in America. So the G League, I guess that kind of hurts in the Darius Baisley department, nor were leagues with major variations between the college and professional games. So when you look at like a box lacrosse league or an indoor soccer league, those were not taken into account as well. So here, here's how things shake up with Syracuse. They come in at 6, despite having only 78 players drafted between 2009 and 2018, which is the, the sample size they're using for this entire poll. So 78 players drafted in about a decade span. Their ultimate draft score is 1,206.7. I'm not quite sure what that means because they don't really give the the formula for breaking the whole thing down. But taking a look at some of the schools ahead of them, North Carolina checks in at number one. I don't think that's very surprising either. Then comes Maryland, Duke, Kentucky, Notre Dame, and then Syracuse. I'll round out the top ten with UCLA, Florida, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. 
And then with each name that they give, they give you some of the biggest producing sports uh, that players were drafted in. So for Syracuse, it's men's basketball, men's lacrosse, and football. And that men's lacrosse is only the MLL. So if there's a professional box lacrosse player out there, they were not considered in this. And here's where I have the major concern with, with how this whole thing is and why Syracuse is so high. How can you put a team in the top 10 that doesn't have a baseball team, which has the most draft spots of any of the pro sports that were considered in this poll? I just don't get it. Syracuse is the only ACC team without a baseball team, and somehow they sneak their, not just sneak their way into the top 10, they're sitting at 6th, so you're, you're comfortably in the top 10. That made absolutely zero sense to me. Without a baseball team, I, I feel like that's a criteria. And when you look at where Syracuse kind of sits in these polls, too, I mean, the soccer's been solid, but again, they, they're not really taking into account much soccer. And you don't have a baseball team, only 78 players picked. That's half as many as UNC has. UNC has upwards of 150 taken over this span. Meanwhile, Syracuse with 78, that's by far the lowest of anyone else in the top 10. Most teams are in the hundreds, so Syracuse well behind in that department of most teams in the top 10. And like I said, the no baseball, and when you look at football, and it has football as one of the top producing sports for Syracuse, you've had four players drafted in the last five years two of which have come in the seventh round. And the five-year span there, that's half your sample size of the data in terms of the length of the from when you start the, the data to when you end the data. How, how does this make sense? It doesn't make any sense to me at all. I believe Syracuse had 14 players drafted into the NBA, and, that, and that's not surprising. And I guess you do get a lot of players picked, or a lot of points, for getting players drafted into the NBA because there's only only 60 spots. But with baseball, you're, we're talking 30 picks, and you're only taking the first 10 rounds, so that's 300 picks, plus the supplemental rounds. So now you're looking at about 320, 330. That's 330 spots times 10, so 3,300 spots approximately over the sample size that Syracuse has zilch, nothing. And when you look at the sports that Syracuse has, the amount of sports that Syracuse has does not compare to what a lot of these other universities have. When you look at some of the, the sports that are producing draft products, Syracuse, you look on the men's side, all right? You've got basketball, you've got football, you've got lacrosse, and then they don't put soccer into consideration. Then you go to the women's side, you've got basketball, there's no, there's no data taken for any of the running sports. No field hockey, no ice hockey, no women's lacrosse in this poll. No women's soccer. They are taking into account softball, but Syracuse, not a big softball school. And then the rest of the sports were not being considered. Meanwhile, you've got uh, other schools like Duke, and they, they've got pretty much every sport you go down the line that would be considered in this poll. And then the the big one is baseball. And I don't know if we're ever going to see baseball, how exactly it'll work logistically in terms of the seasons in Syracuse. It is above me. I don't know how they do it. But 
you need a baseball team to be considered in the top 10, in my opinion. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Rocky here with you until 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning. Hope you all enjoyed your 4th of July week. I know I did. It's been a scorcher, it seems like, across the nation. seems like Syracuse, no different in that department. Right now, talking some Syracuse and this ESPN ranking that came out as the Orange being the 6th best school in producing pro talent through the drafts of the major sports. And it really just doesn't add up to me. Not one bit. And looking through kind of the disclaimer, Syracuse, again, lacrosse is a real powerhouse in this one. Uh, The Orange has the second most MLL draft picks in the past decade, 34. I believe only Maryland had more than, than SU. And with basketball, you have 14 in 10 years. That's really good. That's really good for any program. And Syracuse, I believe, was in the top 10 in that department. But the football team, 15, and you've had four in the past four years. That was just super puzzling to me. It made no sense how you're going to put a team inside the top 10 that is struggling in the football department in terms of producing pro talent and is does not have baseball, which is the fundamental sport for getting guys to the pros. Look at all these other schools, UCLA, baseball, Florida, baseball, Oklahoma, baseball. And Oklahoma is the one that inspired this thing, as they, they talk about in, in the intro of it, because they had a player go top 10 in baseball, basketball, and football. Unbelievable. Now, I'll say this. Outside the top 25, there are some notable teams. Alabama is not in the top 25, despite the fact that they produce football like no other, most draft picks in the span, 77 over the past decade, which is unbelievable what Nick Saban's built at that program. But for them to not be in the top 25, yet Syracuse is, doesn't add up. And I know Alabama's had some players go to and play baseball and get to the next level through baseball. It just doesn't make sense that a school is so dominant in football, 77. Now, if Syracuse had produced let's say, 30 NBA players in the NBA draft. Now we're talking maybe Syracuse, it makes up for the no baseball. But to have a team produce 77 and not be in your top 25, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And looking at some of these other programs that that fell behind Syracuse, I certainly would have put Ohio State up there. You look at football, you look at basketball, baseball, they've had some solid players as well, and men's lacrosse apparently is one of the listed sports here. And again, this includes women's basketball too, so you got to think UConn's got to be up there with women's basketball, men's basketball, and then they also have soccer. You've also got some solid MLB players too. George Springer, I know, played there, and the NFL, you get some here and there too. In fact... Looking at the UConn data right now, it's got 22 NFL players. So you crush Syracuse in that department. And then you've also got all these other sports to go with it, too. It just doesn't make sense. And you have the same amount of players drafted. It doesn't make sense to me. And don't get me wrong, I guess 78 players drafted 
is pretty impressive over the last decade when you don't have a baseball team. But sixth in the country is way too high for me. All right, coming up next, Tyus Battle, another guy in the rankings lately. He came in top 10 in Andy Katz's top returning players for 2018-2019. Tim Leonard, he's going to join me and talk about where we think Battle deserves to be and the season he could have next year. You're listening to Fizz Radio. All right, we're back here, Fizz Radio, on the score 1260, Tyler Rocky, and I'm joined now by my colleague here at the Fizz, Tim Leonard. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Of course. So, you and I have been talking a little bit at length, and these rankings just came out for 2018-2019 by Andy Katz of NCAA.com, and it's a list of the top 20 players that are returning next season for college basketball. And Tyus Battle comes in slotted at 6th, which I think some people may see it as a little too high. Maybe some people see it as a little too low. Let me just read off the the top 10 for you. So first, Carson Edwards out of Purdue. He's followed by Luke May at North Carolina, Caleb Martin from Nevada, Ethan Happ from Wisconsin, Kyle Guy at Virginia, then Battle, then Marcus Howard from Marquette, Rui Hachimura from Gonzaga, Shamori Pons from St. John's, and our favorite guy on the list, number 10, Kai Bowman from Boston College. So when you look at this entire list and you see the guys that are in front of battle, who are behind battle, do you think Andy Katz got it right by putting battle at six? Because I don't. I think he should be a little bit higher. I, I think six is pretty fair for him. My immediate takeaway is that college basketball as a whole, I mean, this just shows that the one and done era and all that is, is really taken to the extreme now when, I mean, all those 10 players, they're, they're good, but there's no one that I would say is like a definite all American, like maybe Luke may, even that all those guys are, are, you know, you, you just listed 10 guys, the top 10 returners by Andy Katz. And I'd say maybe, you know, 10 of them, maybe if they're in the top 40 overall players next year, but a lot of the best players next year are going to be freshmen. And that's just the nature of college basketball now, which is kind of ironic and kind of funny. But at the end of the day, I think battle at six is pretty fair. I have some problems with the guys ahead of him. I would have reordered it a little bit, but I think he is a top 10 player next year for sure, no matter how you look at it. And he's definitely a top three player coming back in the ACC. You can make the art. I'd say Luke May is probably the clear front runner for ACC Player of the Year, and then behind him, it's kind of a, a log jam with guys like Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, and and then the battle grouping. I think he falls right there. So he's going to be a first team All ACC player, I think, and I think he's a top ten returner. And I would have him around six, but just reorder it a little bit. Yeah. So you you bring up Luke, Luke May. I think you're right, and maybe Carson Edwards on this list. Only guys that I would say, in the top five, maybe even top ten, actually, only guys that I would say, yeah, he's a lock to be an All-American next year. Right. And I think that's a really good point that you bring up because there are going to be a lot of freshmen, but when you look at this list, I think the guys that that really stand out names-wise is Hachimura, Carson Edwards, and Luke May. And I think Ethan Happ stands out, but I think you and I are both in the camp that Ethan Happ is way too high on this list, all the way yeah. up at number four. Ethan Happ should definitely be below Tyus Battle, but I think you could also make the case that a guy like Rui Hachimura should be above Tyus Battle. So maybe six is right. I still would have put Battle at like five and probably bumped Kyle Guy a spot. 
Yeah, so the weird thing is Kyle Guy is five, and Ty Jerome isn't on the list. Yeah. And there's times this year, I mean, I always thought last year that uh, Hall was the best player on Virginia if I had to pick one guy, but he's obviously gone now. So Jerome and Kyle Guy, it's hard to pin Virginia because DeAndre Hunter is probably like the best basketball player on Virginia, but is it the system? Like, what are you factoring in when you – you know, when you're picking between those two guys, I think Ty Jerome is probably maybe even slightly better than Kyle Guy and right there with him. So I was surprised that he wasn't on the list at all. Kyle Guy at five might be too high. Yeah. I mean, there were even times last year where it looked like Ty Jerome was the better player. Yeah. But Guy at five, I think that was way too high. Ethan Happ, I mean, he he literally had the worst season. or He, he led a team in Wisconsin that had one of the worst seasons they've ever had in like yeah, the last he's, 20 he's years. He's not that good. Yeah. He's I don't even think he's top 10. I think he's the big like overrated guy in that top 10 list. Yeah. Him and maybe Marcus Howard a little bit. Like Marcus Howard's good. Well, but he just had that one game. Yeah, the the 50 point game or whatever and he just doesn't miss his free throws too. But yeah, I, I don't he's think good. If he, had a, if he didn't have a 50 point game and his numbers were all the same, I don't think he's in the top 10, though. Yeah. And, and I think some other guys that could have slotted up outside the top 10. I like Grant Williams. I know Jonathan Hoppy is like best friends with him. Yeah. Shout out <laughs> Hoppy. Um, I'm sure he, he was rooting for him to be in the top 10. Yeah. Kellen Grady, too, at 16 from Davidson. Yeah, he's a good player. Uh, who's the other guy that was on Davidson last year who got all the love and now he's in the... Oh, um, oh, the name's blanking on me. I know you're talking about. Didn't he almost get drafted? Too? Yeah, he, he's playing in the summer league now. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, that's beside the point. Um, But I think he's going to really shine now that that other guy's gone. And, and the name, this is just going to kill me now. Now I have to look it up. Yeah, yeah. No, I think Tremont Waters, too, though, in the back half, he, he could have been a top 10 guy, and I wouldn't have, like, batted an eye, the guard from LSU. Yeah, though. yeah, Tremont Waters was very good last year. And yeah. I, I think that even though when you look at what what LSU did last year, how they weren't that great, but Tremont Waters always seemed to, like, be the one bright spot of, of that team, I think, yeah, he, he was a very under-the-radar player for them. Yeah, it's just almost funny a Syracuse that, player too. Right? Yeah, it's funny that uh, Villanova, Duke, Kansas, all Peyton these teams Aldridge. Are suppo- right? Oh yeah, that, there we that's go. Our, that's that's right. missing name. There you go. Um, but Villanova, Duke, Kansas, those are like the consensus top three teams next year, and Gonzaga's up there too. And Gonzaga's well represented on that list. But, and Nevada too. Right, and and we can talk about Caleb Barton a little bit. He might be a little too high at number three, but. Villanova, Duke, and Kansas don't have a player because they have all, you know, Villanova even had four guys drafted this past year because they had a lot of seniors and a couple guys that benefited from that long run, like Dante DiVincenzo, and bolstered their stock. So it's it's just funny the nature of college basketball, how you don't have to have a good returner and you can still be a top-five team. Yeah, and maybe another name that should have snuck in on the back when you're looking at teams that are probably going to be ranked really high out of the gate. I like a guy like... Uh, like Clayton Custer from Loyola too. Yeah, I think he probably should have snuck in the back door over a guy like a uh, a uh, Mike Dom who came in at at fifteen from South Dakota State who again just kind of moonlighted in the the NCAA tournament. Right. It's tough because it, it's how you evaluate the guys 
like him from South Dakota State or or someone that plays in the ACC. Like when you look at Caleb Martin, he played for NC State for you know his early years of college when he obviously wasn't as good as he is now. He's developed. He's changed right. his game. I think he's a great player for Nevada and really was lights out in the tournament. He's got a great NBA game. I was kind of surprised he didn't stay in the draft. But regardless, he wasn't. He didn't stand out at NC State at all when he played in a premier conference, and he was basically their sixth man. That's why he opted to transfer. So it's hard to put him at number three when you know if he stayed at NC State, he probably wouldn't be in the top 100. All right. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard, talking the top 20 returning players in college basketball next season per Andy Katz of NCAA.com. All right, so let's get back to battle real quick. He comes in at six. You think that's just perfect for him. I think he should be one or two spots higher. But when it's all said and done, I mean, Tyus Battle is the leading returning scorer in the ACC. And I think that number is going to stay about the same, maybe dip a point or two, but it'll be a lot more efficient. And a large part of that is what he's doing this offseason. And this is why I'm really excited for what Battle can bring to the table next year. So in case you haven't seen it so far, Tyus Battle hasn't been in Syracuse this entire offseason, which is it good, is it bad, who knows, but he's going to be a much better player next year. He's been training with Drew Hanlon, who's regarded as one of the top NBA trainers. He works out guys like Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Mo Bamba. Right. Um, I think he was doing some work with Darius Baisley even too. He he trains two chains. Really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Like two chains <laughs> will just pop up and play uh five on five pickup. Like Tyus Battles played pickup with two chains this summer. That's pretty awesome. Well, no, I mean he's played pickup with a lot of NBA guys. Mo like, Bamba's got- there too. Right, that footage of Joel Embiid dunking on Mo Bamba and then like talking trash to him on the way back down the court. You see guys, Jason Tatum's in there, but you can see Battle in the background of that right. video. Like He is playing with NBA guys, and that just makes you a better player just in general by playing with people that are better than you. But it's like the little brother theory. That's what right. I like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> How the youngest, mention, the youngest kid is always the best athlete. Right. That, that's a that's a good theory. I, I buy into that one for sure. And it's not it's not like he's not getting one on one time with Drew Hanlon on top of this. You'd have to imagine he is, and he was doing a lot of that building up to the NBA draft and trying to get his stock high during that. He knows this is a huge offseason. This is a huge year for the rest of his life, and he is training like we've never seen before. And I think that's actually going to – I think he could win ACC Player of the Year with all he's doing. He's going to be even better, and I think he'll make a leap next year based on all this training. Yeah, I, I don't think he, he wins ACC Player of the Year unless he's averaging 20 points per game, which he now certainly can do because yeah, it seems Syracuse like – Yeah, and Syracuse also needs to be a top-four team at the very right. least in the ACC. I, I, and with Battle, too, he's supposedly fish, fixing the hitch in his shot – and just becoming a more efficient shooter. So if that's the case, Syracuse could be in for a really good season next year when you've got a guy who's been training with the best of the best. And the one thing that may worry me a little bit is when is he coming back to Syracuse exactly because he's doing all this training 
and he hasn't been with the team at all during the summer. And how is he going to acclimate with some of these new important pieces like a, a Jalen Carey, like a, a Buddy Bayheim? Not as much concerned about how Elijah Hughes will fit because he uh, had the whole season before that. Right. But I guess that's kind of one of the benefits, too, in a backward sort of way of having everybody coming back is that you're acclimated to the system. They know how you play. You know how they play. And now you're just going to be a better version of yourself when you come back. So yeah, I think you that gotta imagine he's talking to all these guys. Right. And, and I think it's for the best for him and it's for the best for Syracuse because at the end of the day, what's best for him and what makes his game better is what is what he needs to do in this situation. It's not like he's just doing this for the NBA. He wants to come back to Syracuse and he wants to take a deeper tournament run after a surprising run last year. He knows they have the pieces to do it and he's going to make a leap. I really totally believe that based on what we've seen. If he is working on getting that hitch out of his shot, maybe it'll take some time in the early part of the season to translate that into game action, but that's for the better for him. And if he gets his shooting numbers up, he's going to be more efficient this year, just based on the fact that they've got less guys or they've got more guys. Sorry to give the ball to in isolation or get a bucket one-on-one so he's not carrying so much of the load. With that in mind, I don't know. I I really do see him making a leap and definitely being an all-ACC first-team guy. Yeah, I'd be interested to see some of the other guys who have maybe trained with Drew Hanlon in college and then it translates that next season because, I mean, Hanlon is one of the premier NBA trainers like we've mentioned, but I don't see any other college guys at these workouts. I only see battle. Yeah, and that says a lot about battle, I think. I, I want to know how he got in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess maybe because, I mean, he was training with a bunch of guys who were uh, who were entering their name into the NBA draft. Like, I remember Jalen Adams was there. Chemezi Metu was there, too. Uh, a couple other West Coast guys, I believe, were also training w- with Hamlin. And I remember that there's the picture that surfaced on the day that battle decided to come back and... It was after his camp had revoked all these statements, and it was him playing with like three or four guys that were all entered into the draft. So that's why yeah. everyone was worried. So, um, but none of those guys came came back. They all entered their names into the draft. So right. th- I, I wonder. I feel like Drew Hanlon's kind of like an up and comer. I don't think his name was. Yeah, he's not. Big. He's not like a, an. What's the guy? Uh, McClan- Rob McClanahan. Oh, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Not Rob McClanahan. <laughs> um, is it Rob McClanahan? No, I, I think you're right. That sounds right. Okay. I feel like yeah. Rob McClanahan's a, a, that's a, a miracle player, a guy on the, the dream team. Oh, I, I mean, maybe you're, maybe you're getting it mixed up. It sounds right. There's me. a McClanahan. Um, no, but I don't think he was a premier trainer until maybe this year or the year before that. But maybe it, it's that's why we haven't thought of a lot of guys that were training with him while they were still in college, like Battle. Yeah, and, and I listen. Battle's numbers are going to be better next year, but it may not seem like it. And I know that sounds really weird on the surface, but when you look at the body of work he's put in so far this summer, he's going to be shooting. I think probably thirty-five to thirty-seven percent from three. But he may not. Yeah. It may not translate in the points per game because he may not have to play thirty-seven minutes a game, thirty-nine minutes a game. He can he can sit out for like five to seven, and and he'll his minutes will be down, but his production will be about the same in less time. Yeah, 
No, I think NBA scouts don't want him to to necessarily improve his points per game. They just want him to improve his efficiency, mainly shooting like the three, and that's probably why he's working on his shot a little bit. And also they want to see him score a little bit more by working off the ball, going around screens and getting dribble handoffs, stuff like that. So he's going to have the opportunity to do that with a much better roster. All right, Tim Leonard, it's been fun. It's always a pleasure. All right, we'll see you. Will you be back next week? Yeah, for we'll, sure. We, we got to talk about some NBA draft stuff, some, yeah. some free agency, gossip, Syracuse-related stuff. We need to give the definitive mellow summer. I think that's what we need to do next week. All right, I'm all for that. We'll do that next week. All right, we'll talk soon. All right, coming up next, we're going to do some more NCAA recruiting talk. GMAX going overseas. I'll tell you who he's going to go watch on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio. All right, we're back. Fizz Radio here on the score 1260. Tyler Aki got you till 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning on The Voice of the Central New York Sports Fan. Just wrapped up a great conversation with Tim Leonard. You miss any of that? We talked a little bit about Tyus Battle, what he's been doing this offseason so far, why he hasn't been with the Orange in these summer workouts. You can catch it all on our podcast, Fizz Radio, on the Podcast Center. Subscribe to us. Drop a five-star rating. Appreciate all of that from you out there in Fizz Nation. Now, I want to hit on a couple other Syracuse basketball notes. and Two major things that I want to get to. First is Isaiah Stewart, playing for Team USA in the FIBA U-17s. That's down in Argentina, and Syracuse actually sent Jerry McNamara out there to watch him. Again, Isaiah Stewart, one of the best players in this class of 2019, the fifth best player according to ESPN 100, and he's been playing like it. He was dominating early on in, in this FIBA championship He was getting double-doubles, and and that's kind of what his game is. We've seen him do it on the AAU circuit as well. He's a dominant force. Again, not the biggest guy, 6'9", 6'10", but he uses his body, and he's a great player down low. That's someone that Syracuse could really use, especially when you look at the center position for this Orange team in the coming years. You're going to see some turnover. Barama Sidibe, he's had the health problems. Pascal Chukwu's gone after next season, so... You're going to need a big man to come in, and if you can get the number five player in the country to be that guy who steps in and is the next big orange big guy down low, that'd be great for this orange team. That's exactly what they need, a guy who can score down low. We haven't really seen a lot of that lately for Syracuse, and if they get an Isaiah Stewart, that'd be that'd be huge for the program, and that's something that Syracuse, Isaiah Stewart's going to be one of their best recruits since Carmelo Anthony, and again, he's a Rochester kid, and I was looking, when I was writing this article on for OrangeFizz.net, I, I wrote a piece about, and this was in lieu, or in the wake of the Warriors creating this even super, super team now with DeMarcus Cousins in the fold there, but I, I did a piece on, on if you could do an all-time Syracuse super team, who would it be? And I put John Wallace as the power forward on that team. And I started to think about it. John Wallace is the perfect kind of guy to, if you could somehow get him to quasi-recruit for you and kind of like, hey, kind of nudge Isaiah Stewart to come to Syracuse. Because John Stewart's one of the greatest to lace it up for the Orange. And they share a similar story. They're both Rochester kids. And if, if John Wallace 
can get Isaiah Stewart and, and kind of say, hey, look what I did here. I, I played in front of fans, and, and I played close to home, and I loved it and had one of the most decorated Syracuse careers. You can do the same thing, kid. And I think that'd be a great recruiting pitch. Now, I don't know how much the name John Wallace necessarily resonates with a kid like Isaiah Stewart, but if you're from Rochester, I'm sure the name John or John Wallace will ring a few bells for a guy like Isaiah Stewart. So that'd be big if Syracuse can lure him in. And it'd be cool if you can kind of have John Wallace as a part of that fold. All right, you're listening to Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Tyler Rocky talking some SU hoops. I want to move from the recruiting front over to the NBA Summer League. And now that we all know that the Warriors are winning the NBA championship, I like I like watching the Summer League. Always have. I, I've been a huge fan of watching these kind of developmental guys as well as guys who are fighting for roster spots. And you still have some of the college stars that were the top overall picks just all meeting up. And as I like to say with my friends, it's like all your college buddies meeting back up to run it back one more time in the NBA Summer League out in Vegas. Nothing like a good weekend out in Vegas for some of these kids. Um, But anyways, Syracuse, they've got a handful of guys trying to still make a name for themselves in the league. And just going through the list of guys, Michael Benajay playing for the Knicks. Then you've got Tyler Lydon, Malachi Richardson, Chris McCullough, and Andrew White also in the fold. So there's five SU guys going out there playing in in the Summer League this summer. And the guy who I think really needs to make a name for himself this summer league is Malachi Richardson. Listen, Chris McCullough's had the knee problems and really has never gotten to where he needs to be. Again, back-end first-round pick, and probably left too soon, but you kind of knew what you were getting into when you're taking a chance on a guy who tore his ACL. Tyler Lydon coming off an injury as well. Of course, he needs to play well, but he's going to need some time to get to get his legs back under him. Michael Benajay, second-round pick. Andrew White III, undrafted. Although Andrew White III played pretty well in limited stints with the Atlanta Hawks. He's playing for the Timberwolves this summer. But Malachi Richardson playing for the Toronto Raptors this summer, and he needs to have himself a year because, again, He's a guy who's pretty much been in the G League for most of his time in the NBA. He plays about 20, 20 games a year in terms of the pros and, and in the G League. Or rather, in the pros. In the NBA, he's playing about 20 games a year. Could not crack the Toronto roster, so he got sent down to Raptors 905, which is the G League affiliate. And this is a guy who, he was good in his college season. Again, a one-and-done guy, a guy who a lot of people think left too early. You go the sec- 22nd overall pick, a guy who you thought, you're prob- I think Malachi Richardson really only went to the league because he thought he could be a lottery pick, and that just wasn't the case. And again, I'm never the one who tells the kids, don't chase the money and, and stay in college. I usually say, all you, go to the pros, get that training at the next level. But... Malachi Richardson, he needs to start to prove himself now at the NBA level because once you hit this third season in the NBA, and again, we we like to joke here at the Fizz, he's the Mal candidate as the guy who explodes in the NCAA tournament and then mm-hmm. kind of works his way onto the, the national scene because of a few good games in March. That's exactly what Malachi Richardson did. Remember that Virginia game where he absolutely mm-hmm. exploded. So when when you look at all that, you need 
you need to start proving yourself if you bet on yourself to that degree. And Malachi Richardson hasn't done that. Again, this Raptors team is one now that may be able to compete to get to the NBA Finals. You may be able to win out in the East now that LeBron's gone to, to Los Angeles. But I think that with with Malachi Richardson, you don't know what DeMar DeRozan's situation is he going to be. How much longer is he going to be with Toronto? Is he going to want to trade? Is he going to want to to go try to find something else? Does he want to go play for the Lakers because he's a Compton kid? So there may be a spot opening up in Toronto, and this is when Malachi Richardson needs to prove himself. In the Summer League, show that you can crack the rotation out with the Raptors and stay with the pro club, even if it's coming off the bench now, because you're going to have a contract situation coming up in very shortly. And Malachi Richardson, now's the time. This is the Summer League where you really have to prove yourself because if you're not doing it in this Summer League, again, the Summer League is a is a league where usually the second and the third-year guys, but mostly the second-year guys who are top-level picks from the year before are the ones that really dominate the league. This is where you need to prove yourself because if you can't dominate now, you're not going to be a star in the NBA, and maybe you should have stayed another year at Syracuse because you only had a couple good games in March and you had uh, you showed promise in the regular season, but maybe a little more time in college would have been beneficial for you. All right, coming up, we'll wrap this thing up. Fizz Feedback on the way. You're listening to Fizz Radio. All right, last licks here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki got you till 10 o'clock this Saturday morning. Let's get to Fizz feedback right now through a couple questions out there on Twitter, both related to things that I've already talked about in the show, but just want to get the pulse of what you guys out there in Orange Nation are feeling. So the first one was Syracuse named by ESPN as the sixth best program for getting athletes drafted to the pros. That ranking is too high, too low, just right. And it's kind of split, not really, but... 57% 57% think that's just right, and I, I'm in a, a heavy disagreement with that. I think that is way too high. 36% say it is too high and agree with me, and 7% believe it's too low. Don't think you're, you're going to top any of the programs that were listed above Syracuse, especially in a lot of the sports. But again, the thing for me is Syracuse doesn't have a baseball team, so you can't say that you are definitively one of the top programs at producing pros if you're missing out on one of the big sports. Again, Alabama is not in the top 25, and they've produced 77 football players during the length of the sample. Syracuse has produced 78 athletes in general. So I think that that's just a telling sign of where the, the imbalance on these, these rankings are. It, it, there's just a huge disparity. Alabama's producing the best of the best in football, but they don't have uh, really any basketball products. I know they had Colin Sexton last year, but they really haven't had a lot of success in producing pro basketball players. So you essentially remove that sport from them, and, and they're still outside the top 25. just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think the math's a little off there in some regard. Next up, Andy Katz plays Tyus Battle, sixth in his top 20 returning players. That ranking is too high, too low, and just right. I feel like Goldilocks and and the the Bears in this one with the the Porridge, but uh, I agree, uh, or rather, I disagree. The the pulse of the Fizz Nation right now says just right at 63% as a heavy favorite on this one. I think he's a little too low. I think he could move up a spot or two. 
You look at some of the names that are in that top 20, if you go and check it out on NCAA.com, he comes in at 6th, and he's behind guys like Kyle Guy and Ethan Happ. I think that Tyus Battle is a better player than both of them. I think he's going to have a much better season than both of them. So that's why I think that Tyus Battle should be in like the 4 or 5 range. And maybe even there's someone behind Tyus Battle that I think should be ahead of him in Rui Hachimura from Gonzaga. So if Battle was 4 or 5, I would agree that's just right. But I think it's tough to move up from 6, and so there's really not a lot of leeway. But Battle, I think, should be in the top 5 for sure. All right, that's going to do it for us here on today's episode of Fizz Radio. As always, check us out online, orangefizz.net, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes on the Apple Podcast Center, Orange Fizz. And be sure to subscribe and rate with five stars. That's going to do it. I'm Tyler Aki. Have a great rest of your day, Syracuse.